I want to ask you a question. Have you ever experienced the tension of being in a holy moment? Maybe you've been in church or maybe you've been in your car or maybe you've been at home and you've had a holy moment, a moment with the Lord. You feel like God's speaking to you. He's touching your life. Maybe you read a verse and you just had a revelation or maybe literally you've come out of a worship time like we have this morning and you're feeling, you just know this is a holy moment. But then you also feel the, main, the main mundaneness of you get a text message, you get distracted, you're in traffic, you get honked, someone tells you to hurry up, get your hands on the wheel, I don't know why you're raising your hands, get your hands on the wheel, it's time to drive. Or maybe you're feeling super spiritual and then you have a look at your emails and you've got 50 unread emails, your to-do list is massive and suddenly you just feel like you're being brought back from heaven to earth. You felt super spiritual, super heavenly but now you're back. And you've got a screaming child. Um, you've got a tantrum at the shops. You've got, you've got an unpaid bill or you're a tradesman and you haven't been paid from that job and now you've got to be the money shark again. You're like, oh, do you know that tension that I'm talking about? Because this can be a tension that we can live with, yeah? And that tension that I'm describing, maybe you're at school um, and you, you, on a Wednesday night, Pastor Toby and Pastor Susan, they, they stir you up. You're ready. You're, you're praying. You're excited. Then you go to school and you hear you got a little random exam, pop-up quiz. You're just like, oh my goodness. I was made for more than this. They told me I was made for more. Now I'm doing exams. And you can just feel that tension. Or maybe you're at work and you've been working hard. You've been working hard. And although you're excited and although you feel like God is with you, but then you get to work and it's just like, it's drudge, it's drudgeness. It, it dr- brings you down. You feel like you're in mud. And the idea is that sometimes, or a lot of the time for maybe some of us, we can have an experience of God. We can spend time with Jesus. We can feel super spiritual, feel super good, ready to go. And then Monday morning starts. Your alarm clock goes off. And now all motivation is gone. You're like a, a boat with no wind in your sails. And you're feeling really deflated. And the idea is that if we're going to follow Jesus effectively, we've got to make sure that we stop separating the secular and the sacred. We stop just saying, you know what, I recognize a holy moment, but now when my baby's crying, it's not as holy. Now, yes, it might not feel as holy. And yes, it might not be um, something that you're looking forward to, like you are that revelation from the Lord. But we've got to understand that when Jesus got up and did carpentry for 30 years of his life, He didn't get up and think, oh great, I just got to work, but I can't wait. One day I'm going to serve the Lord. One day I'm going to minister to God. One day I'm going to really enjoy myself. One day I'm going to live and and be a full-time minister unto God. No, every day Jesus worked for 30 years. He was a carpenter or a masonry or some sort. He would have done what he did as a way of saying, I am a son of God and I'm ministering to the Lord and I am not going to separate secular from sacred. I'm going to just do what I do unto the Lord whether he built houses or built tables or whatever you believe Jesus built but I believe what he did is that everything he did he did it unto the Lord and that is the secret if you want to live a life on mission and live a life in the world we've got to do everything that we do as unto Jesus because if you haven't guessed it most of your life yeah 2% will be spiritual 2% of your weeks in church 2% you'll be in prayer 2% you'll be getting revelations 2% you'll feel the warms and fuzzies the warms and fuzzies on your body only for 2% a small amount of your time will be feel super spiritual and 90% 8% of your life will feel very mundane 
It'll feel very ordinary and feel very normal. And if you feel ordinary and you feel mundane and therefore you relegate that to secular, God's not in it, then you're going to spend 98% of your week without God in it. However, if you decide to say, regardless of how I feel, regardless of where I am, regardless of what I'm doing, I'm going to do everything I do unto the Lord. I'm going to parent unto the Lord. I'm going to work unto the Lord. I'm going to sit in traffic unto the Lord. I'm going to eat unto the Lord. I'm going to not eat unto the Lord. I'm going to exercise unto the Lord. Good, bad, ugly, you name it. I'm going to do it all unto God. And with that mindset, you now impute a, 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 a holy posture into everything that you do. Every task, every email, everything you're doing, great, big, small, or in between. It can now be something that is offered up to God as worship. And this is how we live in the world. This is what Jesus did, and I believe we can do it. And in Matthew 28, I read this out at the start, I'll read it again. This is the Great Commission, Jesus Christ, saying in verse 18 of Matthew 28, Then he came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go, everybody say go, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you even to the end of the age. When you read this, you think, you know what, if I'm going to live in the world, I've got to go. I'm going to have to leave. I'm going to have to cross land and sea. But the better translation for the Greek-speaking people here, I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but in the Greek, when it says, as you go, or sorry, when it says go, it actually means as you go. Yeah, kind of butchered that. I gave you the second part before the first part. Go! And make disciples. We think book a ticket, do three years of seminary, study, and then go to another island, go to an unreached people group. Yes, it can mean that, but this actually means as you go, baptize, make disciples of all nations. As you go, as you go, it means in in your comings and your goings, in your movements, as you go to work. As you go to school drop-off, as you go to that soccer practice, as you go to pay the bills, as you go to the bank, as you go to the gym, as you go, as you go, go and make disciples. The idea is not that we would live a a life so spiritual and so sacred that, you know what, we would believe that we're sent because we work in a church position and we have a full-time job at the church. No, you actually are sent by God and you are a full-time minister of Jesus and you might not get paid by the church. You might not do any work for the church. Your ministry life might be, you might not be doing anything that you would deem as ministry or spiritual. But guess what? If you, as you go, if you do everything as you do unto the Lord, you are a full-time minister of Jesus Christ. Amen? You are a full-time minister of Jesus Christ. You're a full-time mum, but a minister of Jesus Christ. You're a full-time banker, but a minister of Jesus Christ. You're a full-time tradie, but yet a tradie for Jesus Christ. Are you with me? And this only comes, and you can walk in that authority and experience this if we live with this as-you-go mentality. This is a major shift in our thinking. Major shift. For most of us, we think the spiritual people are the people up here, like I said. You might say that, oh, you know what, Neil, maybe I can minister to God in some way, but you're a real true minister of the God. No. You are sent by God and you're called to be a minister, a full-time minister of the gospel. And you've got to believe that. And Paul, when he's trying to um, coach and mentor the church in um, Colossae, he hadn't been there and he wrote a letter to them. And the people in Colossians had this same issue that I believe we have today. We've separated the secular and sacred. And we all know these people. No one here. It's not you. They probably go to other churches. No one in this church does this. No one. 
but we're so heavenly, heavenly bound. We're so in the spirit that we're earthly void. We're no use, but we can pray and we can shake and we can pray in different tongues and make all sorts of banana, ananana noise. But then we're void over here. We can't actually change a tire. We can't actually help you. We don't know how to work. We don't know how to do anything, but we can pray and we can when Paul was writing to this church, they were super spiritual, so spiritual that they, people were walking out on their marriages, people were walking out on their work, some people were slaves, they became Christians and now they're saying, huh, to my master, I'm not, not going to work because now I'm saved and I'm spiritual, man. I'm on fire for Jesus and I'm going to do amazing things. And Paul, when he's writing this letter, he's like, you guys, hey, don't be so spiritual that you're, that you're useless on the earth. You're so heavenly minded that you're earthly void. And he says in verse chapter 3, verse 17 to 25, I'll read it out. And he's addressing the same mindset that I'm addressing today. The secular and the sacred. We need to erase that divide because it's not in Scripture. And he says, when, And whatever you do, verse 17, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Wives are just saying, I want to get out of this, this marriage. I just want to serve Jesus. My husband's a dud. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. Stay with him because it's fitting for the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. My wife's a, I don't want to love her. I'm going to go and be a missionary. Hey, husbands, love your wives. Don't be harsh to them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this is pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. 22, verse 22, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and a reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart and as working unto the Lord, not for human masters. And since, sorry, not as with human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs and there is no favoritism. All right, very practical advice, but can you see that he's actually trying to address this divide between the secular and the sacred? Some of us think, I have a job and I work and I'm waiting for the call of God in my life. Or I have a job and I work and I serve the Lord on a Sunday when I serve on the car park team. I serve the Lord in my life group. I serve the Lord when I pray for my children before they go to sleep. I serve the Lord when I pray for someone who's sick at work. But I work, I have a job, but then I serve the Lord momentarily, you know, throughout the week, as much as I can. I want to serve Him more. I want to serve Him more. One day I might even step out in full-time ministry and serve the Lord in a full-time capacity. Sounds spiritual. It's wrong. It's actually wrong and when you believe that you need to quit your job to start serving I'm not sure in working for the church come vacuum at the church can clean at the church do something for the church in order that you'll be ministering to God you are putting your life on hold you are thwarting the work and the power of God in your life and you're limiting what God can do through your work through your parenting through whatever is in your hand right now whatever you're doing with your time 24-7, you can do it unto the Lord. How, how liberating is this? This was like a disruptive verse because when Paul is writing this, the context is that people 
they're so spiritually minded that they're doing nothing. And he's saying, hey, guys, do whatever you do unto the Lord. Stop putting off responsibility and saying, I'm just going to pray and be a Christian. No, no, no. If you're going to be a Christian, do what you do unto the Lord. Paul here says that we're all full-time ministers and everything we do out of a heart, out of that identity, everything that we do unto the Lord can be done as a fragrance of worship to God. How good is that, church? That if I can understand this, that I can live in the world every day because I believe that everything I do is unto God. Everything I do is unto Him. He writes to them and says, Jesus will reward you. Jesus is your inheritance. And you've got to understand, he's writing to slaves. Slaves were hardly even paid. If they were paid, they were paid poorly. And most of the time they weren't paid. They were owned by people. And here he's writing, hey, to you guys who are slaves, you're told that you're a tool. You're told that you're disposable. But guess what? Work to your boss. Forget that he's your boss. You have a higher boss. His name's Jesus Christ. And when you work direct to Jesus, then Jesus will reward you directly. And if you work unto Jesus, he says, Jesus is going to store up an inheritance for you. He's talking to people who have tools. Uh, tools. Slaves don't have any inheritance. But yet he says, Jesus is going to have an inheritance for you. What he's saying here is life-changing for the people in Colossae. And I believe if we can understand this for 2023 today, this might actually stir you and might actually get you living on mission every day. When you stop looking at your job as a curse and as something that you've got to just put on and get through and as a, as a, as a grudge or as something that you're just like, got to rip it off like a band-aid. Come on, let's just start this day. Let's get this day done. I hate this thing. And I'm working for the weekend. You're a weekend warrior. I work every day. And thank God it's Friday. You get that radio thing on and yes. And now we live for the weekend. No. As Christians, our faith in Jesus Christ should reorientate our relationship with work. We should be the best workers there are because we're not working for a boss. We're not working for a paycheck. We're working unto the Lord. That means there's a spirit of excellence. There's a spirit of, of, of appreciation for God and a value for humanity that I'm going to bring to my workplace. That means I'll be there on time. I'll stay back if I have to. I'm not going to cut corners. I'm actually going to lead by example because I'm not working for you. I'm actually working for Him. And this mindset is what Paul was giving to these Christians. And this morning I want to ask you, what's your relationship with work? How do you see your, your life? Do you compartmentalize secular and sacred? Do you separate all, your, all those daily activities that you do, feeding the kids, washing your car, mowing the lawn, filling the, the fridge again, mum, those hungry animals that just keep devouring it. Do you divide secular and sacred when you're at Woolies? Aldi maybe? Come on, I love that Aldi commercial. Seen that Aldi commercial? I'm an Aldi shopper. I love that commercial. We love you, but it's okay. Go. Love it. Because if you and I separate, delegate and divide secular from sacred, we're missing out on the life that God has for us. We're missing out on the joy and, and, and the adventure of living on mission every single day. And I believe your, your workplace, your unsafe family, your neighbours, they're all waiting for you to wake up and realise you're a full-time minister of Jesus Christ. And you don't have to relegate serving God to a few things you do, yeah, when you put your church hat on. We shouldn't have church hats and work hats and all these hats. We should have one hat. It's called the Hamel Salvation. We put it on, leave it on, and go and work and be a representation of Jesus in the earth, an ambassador of Christ. Are you with me? 
This mindset will change the way you see your work. Yeah? This mindset will change and give you a biblical vision for what God has. Because some of us in this room, if we're honest, work and looking after the kids or, or you fill that space, whatever you do with the majority of your time, work is a curse. I hate work. I believe Adam and Eve were just twiddling, twiddling their thumbs and then post the fall, then they got jobs. You see work as a curse, yeah? Or you see work as an idol. One of those two. Either you hate work and it's a curse to you or work is an idol. An idol means you now look to that for a sense of um, acknowledgement, to get your identity. Um, you, you hold it in a, in a high regard, probably too much. It's an unhealthy, yeah? It's an idol. But when work is never meant to be a curse or an idol, a biblical vision of work is meant to be sacred. Yeah, God gave us work and work was meant to be given to us as sacred. And everything that we do can be done unto Him. Yeah, and in the Hebrew, works, it's got this word that has a connotation to it and it actually represents work, it represents worship and it represents service. One word. In English, we flatten it, we call it work and worship and service. But in Hebrew, it's one word with significant meaning. And it's called avoda. Everybody say avoda. And today I just want to leave you with this one thought. Your life is not meant to be compartmentalized between worship, work, service, this, that. It's meant to be all one avoda unto God. It's meant to be worship and work and service. And everything you do can be placed into one of the into into one thing called avoda. Amen. And in Genesis chapter 2, we'll go to Genesis 2, just to show you an example of this word. God places Adam and Eve, the first two people ever created, and He puts them in the garden and He tells them to just worship, to just pray, to just do spiritual things. No. Verse 15, He says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. To work it and to take care of it. This is the word avoda. In Hebrew, it means to work, to serve, and to worship. When Adam and Eve were working the ground and, and, and reproducing the garden at God's command, they were actually doing it as a form of worship, as a form of service, and a form of work unto God. They were imaging God when they worked. Because guess who was the first worker in the book of Genesis? Guess where work actually comes from? It's not Satan. It's not Adam. It's not the fall. Work comes from God. And it says, and God worked. And after all his work, he looked back and said, everything is good. So God initiates work. God is the first wor worker. Then he says, I know what, I want to create some humans to, to image me, to repeat me. And then we work as we watch God work. And as we go and work, we're taking things that are chaos and we're bringing order to chaos. Things that are void, things that are lifeless, and we're creating and shaping with God again. We're building community and we're, we're flourishing yeah, doing what Genesis calls us to do. We're bringing light where darkness is, and that's what we're doing. Now, they did it in, in the garden, but then after they've left that garden, obviously sin came into it, and work became this survival thing, and now there's going to be toiling and sweating. But I believe that now Jesus has come back, and He showed us what it looks like to live a life of, 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 of odor to God, a life where work and worship and service are all can be intertwined as one beautiful gift unto God. Are you with me? And if we're going to live a life on mission that we've got to stop looking at Monday to Friday when you're at your job as you just in the secular world, you're actually living on mission. You're actually living like that unto God. Are you with me? Because worship 
and, and service and work are all unto God. And there's a diagram I just want to place on the screen. And just something for you to look at this morning. We've got worship, voca- and then we've got vocation, which is, again, work, and then we've got service. Right in the center there, you can see Avoda. If you're wanting to live a life that is unto worship unto God, if you're wanting to live a life of meaning and vocation where you feel like, you know what, there's meaning and there's fulfillment in what I'm doing, and you want to live a life where you actually get to serve for the good of the world, then you need to live a life of Avoda. And this means your mindset needs to change. My mindset needs to change. I need to stop thinking that I have a job and that I go to work and that then I'm going to be spiritual. I need to start saying that, you know what, everything I do, I'm going to do it unto the Lord. Like we read in Colossians, whatever I do, I'm going to do in the name of Jesus Christ. Everything that I do, I'm going to do it unto God, not working to a human master, but I'm working unto God. Jesus is my master. Jesus is my master. So if we think of worship, yeah, it's quite simple and Colossians talks about it. But this is quite powerful because you might not, you might live in a workplace that you're even asked to do things that are contrary to scripture perhaps, that there's, there's unwritten code, there's different principles that are not godly there. There's things that are celebrated that aren't celebrated in, in, in God's word. And it feels very foreign to, to spiritual. It feels very foreign to what Jesus wants. But guess what? You can be there. You can rock up. You can show up. You can create and shape and build community and bring light to darkness and do it all connected to Jesus. And you're doing that unto the Lord. That means you can impute worship into every task that you do. Whether you're on a forklift, whether you're behind a cash wrestler, whether you're on the phone or whether you're serving people's needs, whether you're teaching I'm not sure. Whatever it is, whatever you do, you can do it as worship unto God. Now, I've done a lot of different jobs and I still labor one day a week. And you know what? Some people don't get it. When I talk to people, they're like, what are you, what are you doing? So, you know, okay, so you're going to go, you got a job and you got that task. But I see what I do on Friday just as spiritual as what I do right now standing in front of you. When I go to work and I drill stuff and I'm on a forklift and I'm loading this and unloading containers from China and the glass that you get to enjoy in the hotels, finest hotels in Melbourne. No worries. I installed that. But the idea is that, you know what? If I can do everything I do unto God, that means every day is spiritual. Every day I'm with Jesus and everything I do, there's no more mundane because I can turn the mundane into ministry. I can impute worship into everything that I do. And now it changes the excellence in which I do it. Yeah. It changes the spirit in which my work's done and it changes the audience of whom my work is done. I'm no longer working just for you. I'm not working just for the government. I'm not working for a boss. I'm not working for a promotion. I'm working unto God. And I'm, He's my audience. He's my audience. Now, some of us can't say, we don't worship at work. We're actually the worst workers in our workplace. And we slap a Christian bumper sticker on and we slap a Christian whatever. And we actually pull down the kingdom of God because we're lazy. We clock on late. We don't treat it right. We're the worst workers in our group because we think this isn't spiritual. One day this world's ending. We're actually, we're actually doing the opposite of what we're meant to be doing. We're meant to be showing the world what it looks like to work because work came from God and instead we're teaching them that, you know what, work's beneath us. This workplace, I'm a Christian. This workplace. We need to have a massive change and overhaul some of us. Some of us dread work. And I'm, 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 I'm all for, if your job sucks, get a new job that you can, you can honor the Lord in. I'm all for changing your job. I'm all for making it good. If you're in a really negative space, 
get around some other godly believers doing something that's better, better pay. But I will say this, we are called to work and maybe you can't work. And I also want to say that, you know, your job as unemployed person is to do whatever you do unto the Lord, okay? Physical reasons, um, disabilities, I'm not sure. So no one here is excluded. But we all can do what we do with, it, with a heart that is saying, I want to do this unto God. And what kind of community would we be? What kind of people would we be? What kind of employer would we be? What kind of employee would we be if we did everything we did unto God? Amen? With a heart filled with worship. Charles Spurgeon, once talking to a cleaner who had just received Jesus, he said to her, what difference has Jesus made to your life? And she um, rather timidly said, well, I used to sweep, I now sweep under the doormats, sorry. I didn't used to sweep under the doormats, but now I even sweep under the doormats. That's what knowing Jesus has done in her life. I used to just skimp on it. I used to cut the corners. I used to be like, yeah, I counted that. Yeah, I've done that. But now I actually do what I say I've done. Sometimes our faith needs to be a lot more practical. Amen? We've got to erase the divide between secular and sacred. Not only can it be done as worship, but it can also be done as our vocation. This means that we get a sense of joy knowing that I'm going to work with my hands. And just like God got down in Genesis 2, and it says he four men from the dust, God got dirt under his fingernails. Did you know that? God got his hands dirty. God got a little bit messy when he made you. God was willing to work. And when he worked, he said, it is good. And now that we can have this, there's no work beneath us. We're, we're, we don't want to be people who look down at someone's trade or someone's job or look down on someone because of what they do for their occupation. We can be a people who get a sense of joy in that everything we do is actually holy unto God now. So you, can have a, a, you don't have to apologize for what you do. It doesn't matter how great or how small your job is. Come on, church, you can be someone who takes joy, pride and joy in what you do because you're doing it unto God now. And you have a sense of vocation in your life. Amen? This is really powerful, that we get a sense of joy and fulfillment in what we, we do. We get meaning and fulfillment. And not only can we do our work as a form of worship, as a form of vocation, but also for service. Sometimes it's really easy to, to see what you do as a way of you know, serving the world. If you're a teacher, you teach kids, great. You're changing the world. It's easy for you. Sometimes if you're just cleaning toilets, it's not as easy for you because someone's going to come and dirty it and then you're going to have to clean it again and someone's going to dirty it. You don't feel like you're changing the world. But again, if you believe and you do what you do unto God, you're actually saying, you know, I'm here to clean this Gladstone Park shopping center. I'm here to wash cars and people are going to drive in cleaner cars and it's going to be done for the glory of God. Whatever I do, people are going to do it. And I'm doing it as a service unto God. I'm going to do what I'm doing as a service to the people. I'm going to do it even if I don't get a thank you or recognition. I'm doing it. And you're doing it with a heart that says, you know what, I'm going to serve. I'm here to serve because we're servants. Amen? It's one of our values. We don't serve. We are servants. And again, you can impute service and a godly given thing to what you do in your day-to-day -day work. My goodness, what would it look like if we actually live with a voter? This morning, I want to ask you, what would it look like if you lived with worship, if you lived as a vocation and you did all that you did as a form of service unto God? I would like to propose to you that your life would look, I think, a lot more joyful, that you wouldn't sleep in and snooze. You should get up because you're on a mission today. I'm on mission. I'm working. I'm living in the world. and I'm going to worship God. I'm going to, I've got a sense of joy and I've got a sense of meaning to what I do. And I'm going to serve and make the world a better place. Because I'm going to go to work and I'm going to rock up. I'm going to do it with a smile. And I'm doing it unto Jesus. 
I'm doing it unto Jesus. I'm doing it unto Jesus. And I just really felt like the Lord saying to me, some of us are like the people in Colossae. So, you know, spiritually amazing. Rest on us. Make me a Bethany. Come on. But then we say, I never want to be like Martha. I'd like to propose we need Mary's heart that sits at the feet of Jesus and, and is with Jesus, but then we need Martha's hands. If you know the story I'm talking about, if you know, you know. If you don't, it's okay. But we want to move and work with the, with the hands of Martha, but we want to have hearts that are postured like Mary. And we want to be a people that can work and worship and do it all for God. Because do you know that 90,000 hours of your life will be spent working? One third of your life and my life is spent at work. One third of your whole life, your whole existence. What a waste of a life if we only minister to God with the time, with our time on when we're at church. And one third of our lives we never minister to God with. We sleep for one third, we work for one third. And then we eat and play with our kids for another third. I don't know. You're sleeping for one third and then you go to work. That's two thirds of your life. What if we let God speak to us in our dreams and He can speak to us for one third of our life in our sleep? And also when we go to work, we stop looking at our daily life as just meaningless, mundane, boring things. And we saw it as a way to minister to God, as we saw it as a way to bless God, as we saw it as a way to just be loving to somebody, as we saw it as a way to serve yeah, for the greater good of, of mankind and saw it as a way of vocation. I think we'd be on mission a lot more at work and we would recognize that, you know what, maybe God doesn't just want us to bring mission into our work. Maybe work, the workplace is the main center where God wants to release his mission on the planet. Maybe it's at work where you spend a third of your life where you're going to have the best conversations, where you're going to get to share your faith, where you're going to have opportunities to love people. Maybe we, if we change the way we look at work and we started living with this reorientation of a voter, it would change everything. Yeah? Because one third of our lives is spent at work. So my question to you today, do you compartmentalize your life? Because this morning God's saying, hey, I want to give you a new way to live. A voter, a voter, a voter. I want you to live a life that ministers unto me. Amen? And this is going to free us, this is going to liberate us. And I believe as in 2014 and 15, I spent some time, yeah, in Solomon Islands and I got to go and be a missionary over there. And it was amazing. I taught, we worked, we built bricks and then we built the physical church. Everything we did, it was all unto God. It was all spiritual. I felt great. But then when I came back, I remember working again, Star Trek, freight, logistics, doing Bible studies, uh, ministering in different things. And I remember being a Bible college principal, but for three or four days I worked outside in doing construction. And then I did three days for church. And I felt like, you know what? This doesn't feel like Solomon Islands anymore. Solomon Islands, everything was unto God. Everything was spiritual, it was great. But now I'm back. It's almost like I work and then I serve the Lord. And I really felt that divide. And I felt the Lord say, what if you lived here in Melbourne like you did in Solomon Islands? What if, yeah, the mission, missionary experience didn't have to just cross land and sea? What if you could be an urban missionary? What if you could be a daily missionary for me, even here in Melbourne, while you're at work, while you're doing what you're doing? And it was in this pursuit that I discovered this avoda. And it's been, you name it, how many years since. But I can tell you that 
every job that I've taken, every shift that I've worked, every forklift that I've driven, every container I've unpacked, every uh, you know different thing that I've erected at work, I've done it and I've done it my best. And I don't get it right all the time, but I've been able to do it with this spirit of worship. And Avoda has changed my mindset. And no longer do I say, oh, what was it like on the mission field? Someone asked me, I say, what do you mean? I'm on the mission field now. I'm, I'm still on the mission. The mission hasn't stopped. Just because I live in Melbourne and I'm in the comfort of all the different things we have here in Melbourne, doesn't mean I need to clock on and clock off. Doesn't mean I need to have a secular and I need to have a sacred. I can live and do everything unto God. And this has served me this mindset. And I really believe if we're gonna be a people who can live in the world, this mindset's gonna serve us. It's gonna help us.